Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Good to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, it is the home of the um, well, the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. You want to get in on the action, you can do that there. PearlRiverResort.com, that's where you find all the information. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live right where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at Ceasefire.com slash business middle of the week lots of games to talk about we are going to visit with bill bender this afternoon from the sporting news he is up in uh, in big 10 country and i think it'll be uh, fascinating to get some thoughts from him on the matchup between michigan and penn state this weekend that is one of the ranked versus ranked matchups we've got six of those we have three matchups involving undefeated teams this weekend which borky is historically significant right only the only the second time that this late in the season or this deep into the season you've had teams 5-0 and or better facing off against each other where you've had three or more of them? Second time in college football history. So it's uh, Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, TCU. The second time that you've had three matchups of teams that are 5-0 and or better. That's pretty awesome. That's great. It's great for those of us, you know, who have nothing to do on Saturday but sit and watch college football, are, which I am a member of that that legion. Are, are you excusing your wife and daughters to some other realm of the world on Saturday since uh, you, you plan to just belly up to the television for the entire day? I mean, they could be in the house. Okay. They're going to leave you alone, mm-hmm. though? Oh, I will be left alone. It's it's almost more of me leaving them alone. They don't, they don't want to watch. Okay. They'll find something to do. We have more than one TV. So. Okay. Will, will all four of you stay in the house the entire day? I'm sure that Jennifer and the girls will go shopping at some point. Okay. But I will, I will not be part of that. 
I, I, okay, so Saturday is your day. You are you are deeming it such. You will watch probably soccer, maybe catch a little bit of game day, and then no soccer. Chelsea's on Sunday. Okay. I'm surely there's always some soccer game somewhere in the world that might interest you. I might I might tune in, yeah. Yeah. So so right, then you'll catch some game day, catch some SEC nation, roll into the eleven o'clock games and then the afternoon games and the night games and might fall asleep in your chair on Saturday night. My question is will you walk outside your house for any reason at any point on Saturday? Seems unlikely. As beautiful a day as Saturday is going to be, you will not feel the need at any point to open a door, walk outside, and take so. a breath of fresh Starkville outdoor air. I mean, I'm I, unless I cook something on Saturday, which I'm not planning to at this moment. No. Orky, can you imagine? S- sometimes I just walk out in the yard for a second just to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll just open a window. Yeah, I no, you won't. <laughs> I might, maybe. Let's save on the AC. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll go to the park Saturday morning. Lo- love the early morning fall park days. Those are great days. Not that many people out there. Parents usually don't have their butthead kids ready to go to the park until after <laughs> football starts, anyway. Jeez. So it, it's it's me and James and like the go getter parents. There, there's such a difference in. The, I, I've, I, somebody's going to take this personally, and that's okay. There is a difference between the the type of kids and parents that are at the park at nine in the morning versus the ones that show up afternoon. You, you can tell that there's always a difference between the two. Those are the buttheads. The buttheads are afternoon. I have only had <laughs> park ish like like bad kids like either intentionally or being careless. Like harming my child afternoon. The morning kids are always like the respectful, like they play like nice, and, and the parents are like attentive to their kids, and they're they're not just like go play and I don't care, do whatever you want, I, you know, beat each other up, just go. The morning crowd is more on top of things, so I like the morning crowd better, based on my observation in the parks around the Madison area. The morning wave is always the better wave. Have you guys looked at the forecast for Saturday? It It's a little not, disappointing, not really. honestly, considering where we have been for the last few weeks. Like we've gotten another one of these warm snaps in mid-October. The high on Saturday in Oxford is 83. Now, that's not bad, right? I mean, that's not 92. That's not 95. 83, it's fine, whatever. But if you look two days ahead on Monday, the high is 67. On, on Tuesday, the high is 59. That's football weather in October. It, it'll be warm in Oxford on Saturday. Um, but I, I guess this is the last push. This is the last, this is the last gasp. They're, they're fa- summer is falling. Fall is pummeling it. Ready for the knockout blow. This is the last gasp of summer this weekend. Yeah, 83 is amazing, though. No excuses. It's 87 here, so it's, it's a little warm. See, it's hot outside. I'm not in, going out. In fact, overnight, Tuesday night, the low is 32. That's cold. <laughs> That's just like That's just legit. plain cold. I, you got to put on a jacket. Yeah. Hey, you might have to put on a parka when it's 32. Ah, 30, 32. Nah. It's still nice outside. 
You, you know what's going to happen next week? So I, I always wear my I always wear my puffer, Richard. I always I'm always wearing a puffer all the time. Uh, keep, it's always keep it on. close to the skin. It is my skin. Yes, I I, I understood the joke. <laughs> I, I I did. I wasn't sure. I'll be honest. So so Borky, we're in that time of year. You're you're a yard guy, so you know this. We're in the that time of year where just enough leaves are falling that you feel like you need to kind of blow off or rake off your yard. But it's not the full-fledged leaves coming down. There's a chance, and it hasn't rained in Oxford in like three and a half weeks, maybe longer than that. So everything's like dry and crispy. There's a chance for thunderstorms tonight, which if it comes, you know, some wind and some rain, there'll be a lot of leaves down. But when you get to early next week and you get some overnight lows in the 30s, we're about to see the cascade of leaves. Yeah, and see the just dumps. Yeah. We've got big pines, which I take advantage of. I have I have not purchased pine straw since we bought the house. I just rake it up and <laughs> fill up my beds, and I'm good to go. What the problem is? We've got a gigantic crepe myrtle in the back that hangs over like our patio area. Yeah. And crepe myrtle leaves. I, this may not be scientific. Maybe it's just this one. I swear, are poisonous. Or something. <laughs> they they are they're they're damaging. I've got azaleas and stuff, and, and we had like you know basil and all that. And when when the leaves fall, it almost kills the azaleas every year. There's something about crepe myrtle leaves that are like toxic to other plants. I swear, because every time, and they always fall earlier. Like they start falling in early September. The tree's almost bare already. The azaleas underneath, like it, it's like it's poisoning them. And when they stop falling, they come right back and they're fine. And the same thing with the herbs. Like, my rosemary bush is almost dead, and then I clear all the crepe myrtles like off of it and around it, comes right back. There's got to be something like toxic about that tree that kills things when the leaves fall, I swear. That's like, news to me if that's the case. There. I swear that's the case. Unless it's just this one in particular that is like the death myrtle. Which, by the way, whoever decided... The death myrtle... <laughs> We've got he said, seven... He checked out my crepe myrtles. That's not a crepe myrtle. Get a botanist out there, a horticulturist. Those are death myrtles. <laughs> Whenever we moved in, we had 17 crepe myrtles around the house in the yard. Now only one death myrtle left. I, I, I've eradicated a couple of them that were just problems. But we've kept the rest because it just takes a... It, it's hard to do. Whoever decided to plant those, I think, should be prosecuted. The thing is, you can't have crepe myrtles too close to your house, and that's the that's the problem. Is most of them are like right up against the house, and so and it, and, and, and generally speaking, people plant crepe myrtles too close to houses, especially if it's a Natchez crepe myrtle, which is the one that has the white blooms on it. Yeah, and they grow really yeah. big, and then they're drooping. And then there's also the way that people prune crepe myrtles, where they just come in and they com uh, commit crepe murder. You know, where they just like cut them off and they're knobby, and you know, you you've got to gently Prune crepe. Uh, crepe myrtles are a lot of work. If, if only if we had right. a show on this network where you could text in and ask questions, Borky. The Garden Mama. You should you should make an appearance uh, with Garden Mama on Saturday morning, Borky. You should just show up and be like, hey, I, I got a question. I've got a lot of I questions, I work here. It's Nelly. okay. I mean, let's just run through them. Yeah. I, I have, uh, w with not having to travel this week, my, my week load has been a little lighter, and I've been working on, we got magnolias in the yard, and I've been working on blowing out all of the leaves and, like, decay that collects when you don't blow those forever. 
That is a job. Whew. But it looks better now that it's uh, now that it's done. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get into the actual sports coming up next with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. yesterday some about the point spreads for games involving SEC teams. We didn't really dive deeply in all of these. Especially one in particular now. Which one is that? Mississippi State. Yeah. So it has gone down with the news that Alex or uh, that uh, Will Levis is going to play. Yeah, the Alex Jones verdict uh, changed the line pretty dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> do, do we think that he has a billion dollars to pay? No. Apparently, there's some no, kind but... of a statute in in the state where it, it won't he won't be required to pay that much. There's a cap on on these kind of things. But either way, he's going to pay though. He's going to pay something. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Will Levis but, is going to play. But moving as far away from that topic <laughs> as we possibly can. I, don't know, I feel like most people are would be on the same page with that one. Like, what's the what's the what's yeah. the uh, the bottom line there? Don't be a scumbag. Just you know, don't yeah. don't try to capitalize that, that on it. grieving parents. It, it, either way, don't lie. Don't lie would probably be the, L- the lots of line. lots of lessons that can be learned, but. Uh, More on that with Gallo starting at 6 in the morning, I suppose. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right, so let's start there. Mississippi State. Okay, if I'm remembering the line history correctly, opened as a a 3.5, 4 point favorite. It ballooned to 7 or 7.5 and and has now come back down to 4. Is that that accurate in terms of the line history? That is accurate, yes. What do you make of this news? Will Levis, uh, according to Mark Stoops, practiced on Monday and on Tuesday, and barring a setback, is good to go. We'll play. I think it's as simple as that. On Sunday, uh, the line comes out. Right after the line comes out, everybody, there's a lot of doubt about Will Levis. We're not sure. You know, we we heard that he has turf toe, that he might be out for a little while. So it goes up, and then today, when you get the confirmation that he is going to play. The line corrects itself back to where basically it was on Sunday. I think it's I think as simple as I mean it really is as simple as Kentucky has a quarterback that a lot of people project in the first round of the NFL draft. He's going to play. That's worth three points. And and you know what? For me, to me, that piece of it is irrelevant. The the where he I I know people are like, oh, Will Levis is a potential first round draft pick, and he's going to play. The fact that he. We lost Richard there for a second, but um, the, I mean we've seen it in college football around, and I think you're back now. Yeah, we're back. Right. Okay, you, you cut off right as well. I think it. Right as you were going to make your point. Right, right as you at were the point. Say it. Yeah, well, it was a great I, pregnant pause. I, I think where I was, or I know where I was going with that is where he is going to be drafted and what his draft stock is is irrelevant in my mind to this line movement. Now, I, I understand why a lot of people would, would say that and would point to that, 
Far more relevant to me, regardless of where he is going to be chosen in terms of the draft when that happens in April, is what did Kentucky look like with a competent quarterback in Will Levis versus what did they look like offensively last week without a competent quarterback? It was rough. That that poor kid was not ready. They lost by 10 to a – that's not a good South Carolina team. Mississippi State's a pretty good team. At least, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the results bear out. If they had announced today that he wasn't going to play, do you think that line might have jumped to 10, 12 points? Probably. I don't know if it would have gotten to 12. I think 10 absolutely would have made sense. Yeah. Here's my question for you. Do... You love Mississippi State laying only four points, Will Levis or not, based on what you've seen from Mississippi State and based on what you've seen from Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I think State's going to win the game. So, yeah, I would take I would take State and give those points. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't and, see how you can say otherwise you, after the last two weeks. Well, and, and what did I, I mean, you you remember, I don't know if we talked about it on the air, maybe very, very briefly, but you and I talked about it le- last week, hey, Dad, I, and it wasn't like some definitive, oh, Mississippi State's getting their butt kicked in Lexington. It was more like, uh, mm-hmm. brother, that place is going to be on fire, and that is a really mm-hmm. difficult place to play, and that crowd is worth some points, and it's right. at night. And, and that's when we thought... That- we thought Kentucky was going to beat South Carolina and then, you know, not Absolutely. have all this extra stuff going on. And then but, that happened. As I have thought about it more, that crowd did nothing for Kentucky last week because it was on fire at the beginning of that ball game. And then they just couldn't do anything offensively. And so taking a little bit more into account with regard to what we've seen from Kentucky. Will Levis or not, the offensive line is still not good. They've given up a gazillion sacks this season. We know Mississippi State is talented on the defensive side. We know that Zach Arnett is kind of like a blood-in-the-water guy. When he smells it, he's attacking. Mm -hmm. I think Mississippi State will attack defensively. Let me – I should know the answer to this, but I don't. In terms of the way – Martin Emerson lines up. Is he just a right corner? I'm sorry, Emmanuel Forbes. Emmanuel Forbes, okay. In terms of the way that Emmanuel Forbes lines up, is he just the right corner or the left corner? Kind of like the way is, like, in terms of wide receiver, you play this position, period. Or can they say, Emmanuel Forbes, if Barry and Brown goes to the restroom, you go with him. I, I think that the way they line up is is it's based on where the hash is. Like, yeah, was the field corner and the boundary corner, and I don't know which one of those he is, but he's one of them. So, where he's lining up is kind of predetermined. Okay, can't so, so, wonder if they'd consider changing that, right? Just because it can well, that's why I'm ask, yeah. asking that question. I've been asked. I've been asking that question since Nico Whitley was covering Dante Moncrief in the 2012 Egg Bowl. Like, why can why can they just not put Banks or Slay on that guy? I mean, that's what they do in the NFL. I mean, to use the the Saints as an example, Marshawn Lattimore. They they decide who the best wide receiver is, 
and Marshawn, when they break the huddle, goes to where he is. Doesn't matter where he is on the field. Doesn't matter if he's in the slot, outside, right, outside, left, wide side, short side. Marshawn covers the best player. It's he's, what you did when you were playing two-hand touch football at recess in fifth grade. Who's the best receiver? Go where he is. That's who yeah. you're covering. With, with whoever Football's your best. really simple at, at the root of it. It really is. Put your best on their best. Isn't the key at here breaking more at 11, don't turn the football over, but in this game in particular, with the offensive styles, uh, Hayden and I talked about, about this a little bit, people hear air raid and think that it's a, an offense that will make games feel long, and that's not really the case because it's a, lot, it's a high completion offense and, and their time of possession is quite good. Same thing with Kentucky. Kentucky is slow. They move slow. They take every second of the play clock in possessions are at a premium. So any mistake that you make is going to be magnified five times over because your possessions are going to be far fewer than most games you play. Ole Miss, again, had four possessions in the second half of the Kentucky game. Four! That's all they had. Mm -hmm. And one of them went three and out. (laughs) So your offense is going to be off the field often when you play Kentucky. So in this game, if you make mistakes, if you give them a free first down or if you give them a turnover or something, it's going to be much more impactful because they don't give you the football back. Even their three and out take two and a half minutes. They really milk the clock with the way they play. And so mistakes are going to be magnified. And, and hey, Dad, I know I heard you talking about this earlier this week on the uh, – uh, maybe it was – Maybe it was in your conversation with Cole Kubelik. I, I, don't, I don't remember, but that is a pace that Mississippi State you think is okay with. Yeah, the state's not not uncomfortable playing the slow game, playing time of possession. They're they're more than happy. They they they're not Ole Miss. Ole Miss wants to play tempo and get to the line of scrimmage as quickly as possible. You tell State we're gonna you know milk the clock down to twenty twenty five seconds. Okay, they'll take that all day, especially on offense. Yeah. Are you confused? Like, like, there's part of me in looking at this game that's confused. It's like everything about me says Mississippi State's just a better football team than Kentucky. They are more complete on offense. They're better on the offensive line. They're better at every position, I think, on the defensive side. Weaver's a really good player. Jordan Wright's a really good player. They got some guys on the defensive side, but certainly as a unit, Mississippi State defensively is better than Kentucky is. Special teams probably give the well. I mean, I on the surface, I would give the edge to Kentucky because of the freshman Brown and just the speedster he is. But Mississippi State's been really, really good in the return game. And State has but, Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas. So yeah, both teams have had issues kicking with extra points and with field goals. I just feel like Mississippi State is better, and yet for some reason I still have a little pause with Will Levis coming back. A, a small Do pause. I have pause? Find out after this. More coming up. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Right, 
tight end left you hanging going into the break. I I, kind of threw out that I have a little bit of pause about this game. I I had a lot of pause about it a week ago. I fully kind of embraced the fact that I think Mississippi State goes in and takes care of business. I I, I don't know that I'm necessarily swayed by the news that Will Levis is going to play. I, I don't really think that changes anything in terms of believing that Mississippi State is a better team than Kentucky is, and yet there's something about this. And, and hey, Dan, it's not even the whole eh, Mike Leach teams lose a game sometimes that you don't expect them to. It's not even that. It's just like kind of a weird feeling, like when there's such an overwhelming amount of confidence in one team going into a game against teams that are reasonably matched, you know, close to evenly matched, that sometimes we end up looking foolish. So do you have any pause about it? No, I don't. Uh, you know, And, 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 and in fairness, you spent full, the entire summer predicting that Kentucky exactly. was going to win this game. It's a, full, it's a full 180. You know, Back in June, July, I said Kentucky was going to beat both Mississippi schools. Watching them play against Ole Miss and their inability to, to move the football, uh, that, that Levis wasn't able to make the – I'm still I'm still baffled. There was there was a tweet that was somebody sent out, like this is why Will, every, the scouts love Will Levis, and it was the play I think it was in the first quarter where he's got a wide open guy, and he overthrows him by like five yards. Now it's a good deep ball, but he missed an open receiver, and he's like, why are we pointing this out as a positive? He it should have been a touchdown, and then you know the, the, their offensive line woes. I can't take them seriously. They can't block anybody. So against an aggressive Mississippi State defense, yeah, I think State's going to have the upper hand in this game. I feel pretty confident about that. Where do you fall on this? I think they're going to win the game. Although, like, I had somebody say to me last night that they should win by 17-plus, and I thought, hold on. Okay. I know that they've got offensive line issues, and they are issues, and they're real. And I know their quarterback, although they're play, he's playing – is is he going to be 100%? Doesn't feel like it. But if you think that anybody's just going to go on the road at a Mark Stoops coached Kentucky at night and just waltz on to victory, I think you've got another thing coming. Now, again, I think State's going to win the game. I have no reason to not think that. But they're going to have to work for it. This is a Kentucky defense that's going to be disciplined. They're not going to miss assignments. It's going to take work. It's going to be a very fast game on your watch, but a very slow game to watch. Kentucky's going to play disciplined, sound football. They're going to tackle well. They're going to be schemed well. State's going to have to work for this one. I think they will, and I think they will win, but it's going to be tough. Going on the road to Kentucky, I know what happened last week. I watched it almost every snap. But it's not going to be an easy thing for Mississippi State to do. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder than this past Saturday was. No doubt. Kentucky has allowed 25 sacks this season. I mean, it's... And, 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 and all right, so somebody said a second ago, don't compare the defenses because the defenses aren't playing each other. I understand that. I, I, I do. I was kind of talking about like overall units and who you thought was better. So, so, in comparison, Kentucky sacks allowed versus sacks 
made, they've given up 25 sacks. That's 4.17 sacks per game. They have a total of nine sacks themselves. That's like 1.2 a game. They're not protecting the quarterback, and they are not getting to the quarterback. And i got to be honest, that's a recipe for disaster against Mississippi State. When you can't protect your guy against an aggressive defense, and you can't get to a guy who is incredibly accurate, that this is it's like I'm, I'm talking myself away from that pause that I had. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Everything you look at, I know games aren't played on paper, but everything yes. on paper says State should win this game easily. So what's the so, so, so Borky? What is the what is the balance to that that makes you think it's not going to be easy? Because is it ever? It's but, hard to win. It's hard to win. It's hard to win on the road in the SEC. And again, I know South Carolina did it last week, but that was without Levis. And Levis does make a difference, regardless of how bad his offensive line is. When he's protected, he he can do well. Again, I'm going to pick. Spoiler, ruining our. 5 o'clock segment on Friday. I'm taking State in the points. I, I think they're going to cover and win. But I do think a, a team that is as disciplined and fundamentally sound as Kentucky is, especially defensively, is going to make you work for it. They're going to grind the game to a halt, and they're going to make you work for it. And if they're the ones that make mistakes, they'll lose. They made mistakes against South Carolina. They lost the game. Yeah, their backup quarterback stunk, but if they, if they play cleaner, they win. And Oxford... They made mistakes. They lost. In Gainesville, Florida made mistakes. They won. So it's just, it's never easy, especially there. They're going to be well coached. They they tackle well. I mean, I I don't know if Jacquez Jones is back or not, but. He is not on there too deep this week. Okay. So that's. Yeah, that's and did not play last week. Unfortunate for the young man, but that's a positive for State. Big loss. That, that here's, here's what I would say. We, I, what, what game did Kentucky play their best in? Florida? Do they, or do they play their best against Ole Miss? I would say no. So probably Florida, right? State played its best game of the season against Texas A&M. If both teams play their best game, who wins? Mississippi State. They went pretty easily, I would think. A couple touchdowns or more. Yeah. So, I mean, the the, the, the script on Kentucky has just flipped entirely. They were a top ten t- team two weeks ago, and now you're look now. And I did I talked to, today to, to John Hale of the Lexington Herald Leader. I mean, they play state. They still have Tennessee and Georgia left. Yeah. So they've gone from top ten and hey, maybe we can sneak into the Sugar Bowl to. Seven and five, and the Music City Bowl would be a great destination. So Kentucky sitting at four and two with this game against Mississippi State. If we assume that they lose that, they're four and three. Then an open date before they go to Tennessee. Nobody's picking Kentucky to win that game. All right, so that's even at four no. and four. You're going to pick them to win against Missouri and against Vanderbilt. So that's six wins. You're going to pick them to lose at home against Georgia. That's six and five. And then they've got a rivalry game against Louisville. And Louisville at times has looked good and at times has looked like garbage. Satterfield might be coaching for his job in that game against yeah. for Louisville. So he may not have it by then. Highly motivated. Yeah. Which Louisville had a good one this past week. 
They they, uh, they they fell behind early and then really got it rolling and played well the rest of the way. Without Cunningham, too. Everybody's quarterbacks hurt. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. We've got healthy quarterbacks here. Knock on wood. Don't say it out loud. Don't 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 say it what out loud. What are you loud. doing? I knocked on wood. Uh, ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Cole in Hattiesburg. The crowd was kind of taken out of the game in Lexington last weekend with that first play from South Carolina's defense. That's true. But it takes more than one play to take an entire crowd out of the ballgame. I mean, that pulls a little air out of the balloon right out of the gate, but you can get that back in a hurry. But they're down seven at the half and did nothing offensively. Jeff and Oxford, if Kentucky was ever what folks thought they were earlier this season, then they are due to get back on track. Uh, Somebody says, Richard, that feeling is the rebel inside you. Hashtag Hail State. There were some laughy emojis Mm -hmm. there. Um, Going back to that previous tweet, though, I don't think Kentucky was what we thought they were two, three weeks ago when they were a top-ten team. It won't be easy for State for two to three quarters, but they will pull away, turn the ball over early, and allow Kentucky to believe they can win and things could get different. I doubt it. State and the points, easy. Okay? It's never easy. Worth noting that in the same message, it says it won't be easy, and then... State wins easy. Just, um, just point that out. Dale in the Delta, I feel like Arnett is going to have the same game plan he had against A&M and bring heat constantly. Jacquez Jones is out and key. Their second-best receiver has a sprained wrist. Somebody points out this as well. The pause is State is a different team at home versus on the road. State is better than LSU, but they found a way to lose that game, and this is a must-win for Kentucky after losing two straight with Tennessee and Georgia still on the schedule. I would, what I would say to that is LSU is super, far more talented than, than Kentucky is. Mark Stoops said some interesting things after that game last week. He was extremely displeased with everything about the game. And he said it's been a long time since we've played a game that poorly with the attitude and the effort and the execution and all of those things rolled in. My guess is you get a really focused and locked-in Kentucky team. Will that be enough? I don't really think so. We'll see. Chase in Columbus also says we are all seemingly forgetting Kentucky had almost beaten on about eight different opportunities I get they were bad last week without their quarterback, but Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. So I'm putting together the pick six from Polks for the uh, the week. I've got five of the six games. I've got Auburn at Ole Miss, Arkansas State at Southern Miss, Mississippi State at Kentucky, Alabama at Tennessee, Penn State at Michigan. Here we go Arkansas at BYU for the final game? No, or... go LSU, Florida. Really? Yeah, more right. local interest. Plus, that, that feels like one's tough to pick. Okay. Could be a 50-50 need... split. I mean, after 
basically 25% of the respondents last week got all six games correctly? Yeah, we got we got we got to tighten it up a little bit. All right, so we'll go LSU at Florida for the uh, for the last game. I might. You had Michigan, Penn State. You said I did. I might change that to, to the was it Oklahoma State, uh, TCU. That's another one that should be tough to pick. You don't think Michigan, Penn State is tough to pick? No, I would take Michigan and not hesitate. Okay. I'm open to that. Uh, so we got, uh, is it Oklahoma State at TCU? Is that right? I believe that's correct. Pretty sure it's on the road. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll get to that in a uh, in a bit. Um, couple yeah. uh, couple more C- messages on the ceasefire text line. Ole Miss and Mississippi State have never had a problem finding a way to lose. It's true. I think it's a bit Very of a loser true. mentality. Well, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi well, State this year are not the last 115 editions of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They're good. Yeah. No. No, but historically, they've they've been able to, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory a time or two. Historically, bad coaches have walked those sidelines. Yeah, not wrong. A lot of them. A lot of them. I feel like that the the oh, you know, they could always lose that kind of stuff is going to slowly start going away. I'm talking about not not fans, but results on the field is going to start going away. I think coming up this afternoon. We will uh, we will visit with Bill Bender. That's at four thirty-seven, and in the five o'clock hour, we'll talk with uh, Aaron Gershon, who covers Kentucky. There is a persistent question that has been floating. I've been asked in interviews. You guys have probably, if you haven't been asked specifically about it, you've had this conversation with friends. You've seen it on message boards. And the question is about when we will really know what Ole Miss is. I got some thoughts on this. And I think it ties into Mississippi State as well. I, I do think there's a little bit there's a little bit of a difference in answering that question when it comes to Mississippi State because of their schedule is more difficult. But because of the schedule that Ole Miss has played, it, that, that question has been asked very, very frequently. I don't know if you'll agree with my thoughts on it, but we'll uh, we'll get into those to, uh, to start the 4 o'clock hour. Some of those national games... Penn State at Michigan, you, you said you take Michigan, hey, Dad, without even blinking. They're only a seven-point yeah. favorite. Oh, no. Kansas getting nine points at Oklahoma. Now, Kansas is going to be without their quarterback. Yeah, and uh, a, a local theme, right? reporter said that he was going to be out for the year, and then he replied to the report and said, that's news <laughs> to me. That Jalen Daniel? Yeah, he's electric, too. Yeah, he is. But not going to blame this one. And you want to talk about, I mean, it's 
the middle of October in Brent Venables' first half season as a coach, you better win. They're the worst Even rushing defense in the Big 12. Kansas. Yeah. Worst rushing defense in the Big 12 is Oklahoma. Can you fathom that? By Do a we know long about Dylan Gabriel's health? No. Oklahoma State and TCU could be really fun. Tell you what, Oklahoma State getting points. That, that, that raises your eyebrows just a little bit. NC State getting points at Syracuse. Place is going to be rocking. I think they sold it out. I knew it was close. Early in the week, there were only some like upper deck corner seats that were left. It's been a long time since they have filled up the dome in Syracuse. How about Clemson? Only a three and a half point favorite at. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again, please, sir. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV, and of course the good old-fashioned way, listening on your radio, 12 Supertalk Mississippi stations covering all 82 counties in the Magnolia State. Say all that just to say thank you, wherever, however, you're listening. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, golf courses that you can play, golf courses that you will love. Book your tee time online at pearlriverresort.com, or you can go to dancingrabbitgolf.com. Hit us up on the C Spire text line. Enjoying some of the interaction with you today, 601-879-4395. Let C Spire handle the managed IT services so you can focus on your business. Learn more at cspirebusiness.com. All right, so I said before the break I wanted to get into this. There is this question about Ole Miss. They are ranked in the top ten. They are 6-0. and Their schedule has been light. And the question, Cole Kublik, Greg McElroy asked me this this morning. You know, when are we really going to know against Ole Miss, about Ole Miss? And I thought about a couple of different ways to to answer it. Here's the first thing. I don't think Ole Miss, or any team like Ole Miss, has to apologize for how they win or who they beat. Your schedule is your schedule. Your conference schedule is determined by the league office. Your non-conference schedule is determined by you, but it's determined years in advance. We've talked about the fact that the Ole Miss-Georgia Tech game was scheduled, what, when Georgia Tech was coming off the Orange Bowl win against Mississippi State. They were really good under Paul Johnson. Georgia Tech's been a train wreck since then. Tulsa's a pretty decent American conference program. Year in, year out. Central Arkansas was an automatic win. Ole Miss had to work against Troy. Troy's a pretty decent football team. The two SEC games that Ole Miss has played so far, Kentucky at home, it's a pretty good win, right? I mean, is Kentucky less than what we thought they were? Yeah, Ole Miss had to beat Kentucky with a healthy Will Levis. 
and then Vanderbilt. So, is it a murderer's row schedule? Absolutely not. Should Ole Miss have to apologize for being 6-0 right now? No. And maybe here's a better question. So, going to the, the message that we got on Ceasefire a little while ago about Ole Miss and Mississippi State have traditionally found ways to lose games. Not every Ole Miss football team that has run onto the field in the last, never mind, 115 years, but in the last 20 years, would be 6-0 and with this schedule right now. It just wouldn't be. There are a lot of Ole Miss teams that would have managed to lose that game to Tulsa, that would have lost that game to Kentucky. So That have lost to Vanderbilt. That have lost to Vanderbilt. Recently. So, so that's number one, but it doesn't really answer the question. So in terms of when will we know about Ole Miss, he, he, hear me out on this. If Ole Miss, and, and these, there are a lot of hypotheticals in this, but none of them are outlandish or unbelievable hypotheticals, okay? If Ole Miss beats Auburn by 17 on Saturday, do you feel like you now know? Or do you look at it and you go, that's a really bad Auburn team? So they could be 7-0. and and you might go, well, that's a bad Auburn team. Let's say that LSU goes to the swamp this weekend and loses by two touchdowns to Florida, and then Ole Miss goes to Baton Rouge next weekend, and they beat LSU by two touchdowns to get to 8-0. and Do you really know then? Or is LSU just not very good? It's not a vintage. It's a first-year head coach. So maybe you still don't know. Let's say the following week, Ole Miss goes to A&M, and they win by 10. Win by a touchdown. Win by three. Whatever the number is. But they win the game. Do you know then? Or are we reminded that Texas A&M is not very creative offensively, and they're bad at quarterback, and so you don't really give them credit? So they're 9-0 and going into Alabama. In this scenario... Now, let's say Ole Miss loses that Alabama game by three touchdowns after Alabama beats Tennessee this weekend, and they win whatever. Well, now, does that mean Ole Miss is bad? Do you really? No. It was number one Alabama. And then they get their open date, or I guess they had the open date before Alabama. They go to Arkansas, and Arkansas continues to be walking wounded. Maybe K.J. Jefferson's healthy. Maybe he's not. Ole Miss wins that game. But it was a depleted Arkansas. In this little exercise, you don't really know what Ole Miss is until they play Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night. Think about it. If 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 you're going down the road of well, they're six and zero, but we don't really know. Are they any good or not? They're seven and zero. They're eight and zero. They're not. If if that's the logic that you're using, like well, we really don't even know if they're any good because they hadn't played anybody or they beat teams that had a you know a quarterback issue or along the same lines of saying that Ole Miss doesn't need to apologize for its schedule, Mississippi State doesn't need to apologize for beating Arkansas without K.J. Jefferson. It was an SEC win. Doggone it. 
If we find out after it's over that Will Levis was only 65%, but Mississippi State goes into Lexington and wins an SEC game, they don't have to apologize for winning that game. This has been a really fun season. It's a really strange season. And it's it's almost like, other than just we got to have something to talk about, I don't entirely understand some of the questions that are floating around. But we don't really know about Penn State because have they played anybody? Maybe we'll learn more about them after they play Michigan this weekend. Does any of that make any sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I would say that a lot of what you're saying about Ole Miss is true. I will say if they lose to Alabama the way, you know, we've been we've made some we believe comments about Ole Miss this year. If they lose to Alabama the way State lost to Alabama that year, then we would know, okay, it's this team hasn't played anybody. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think they're gonna lose. I think State lost that game by thirty one, thirty five, something like that. I I don't I don't see that happening, especially at Ole Miss with the game being at home. What if Ole Miss lost that game so it's 45-24? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a reasonable loss to one of the best teams in the country. You know? I mean, yeah. You can't, you can't walk away from that saying, well, we told you they were crap. And you can't walk away from saying, I told you we were good. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just what you're going to lose to Alabama by, probably. I mean, that's that's a that's a good score prediction as we stand here. You know, what is it? A month before that game, it is one. It's one month to the day before that game in Mississippi State at Georgia or Georgia at Mississippi State. Um, so I understand why. I I, I feel like I see both sides. I understand why people have questions about Ole Miss. I have questions about Ole Miss. I think you have questions about Ole Miss. Sure, I but. Do. But at the same time, to say that well, they're not. You can you play who you play, and and they've beaten up most everybody on their schedule. They have two close games, you know, against a Kentucky team that was ranked in the top ten for whatever that's worth. They're and seventh in the Tulsa, country. Yeah, and then Tulsa. I mean, if you want to call if there if there's such a thing as a bad win, sure, we'll put Tulsa as a that's a that's a ugly win. But teams win ugly games sometimes. Yeah. Spire text line, the only sure thing in college football this year is that as long as C.J. Stroud is healthy, Ohio State is the best team in the country. But even that, is are that we sure? sure? I say, are you sure? I'm not sure about that. They no. couldn't score against Notre Dame. Really struggled. I know it's the first game. That was a long time ago, but they struggled to move the football against Notre Dame. Struggled. Brian says he's never heard of having to apologize for winning. Well, and I think that's kind of the point that I was making. You you shouldn't have to, and yet there there are so many detractors of teams. Yeah, this, this is not. We're sitting in August with the preseason polls out and looking at Texas A and M ranked sixth or wherever they were ranked, and going, you know what? I don't know. I don't see that. This is their halfway through the season. They hadn't lost a game. Not everybody's on board with Mississippi State right now. They're five and one, and honestly, should be six and zero. Oh. Here's another one. Uh, State will see for what it's worth this weekend. What they are. Okay. 
Will they? Here's another one. The later in the year it takes to figure out how good a team is, then most likely they're pretty good. Bad teams get exposed. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. This town been a long time coming, been a long hard drive. Gonna smoke some, gonna drink some, gonna find a little trouble living. Now we're gonna make some. Sports Talk Mississippi back with you on Friday, the Gallows Show with special guest host uh, Mandy Gunasakara. Middays with Gerard Gibbert and Sports Talk Mississippi will be in Oxford at the Convention Center on Friday for the Ole Miss School of Business Banking Symposium. For 20 years, this event has been an important part of guiding our economy, and we look forward to being there with you on Friday. Did you see the newest development in the fish cheating story? I did not, but I'm all ears. All right, so do you remember You, you remember there were the, the two men in the fishing tournament in Ohio who... Um, were stuffing lead weights and fillets inside of fish that they had caught in an attempt to win thousands of dollars in the fishing tournament in which they were competing. Right. And the guy who was in charge of the tournament, Jason Fisher, the tournament director, became suspicious Hold because on. their fish were significantly heavier Hold than... On. Yes? The guy in charge of the fishing tournament. His name is Jason. His name Fisher. was Jason Fisher. Don't mess Fantastic. with that. Fantastic. Continue. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. He became suspicious because the uh, the walleye were a lot heavier than they should be. Like everybody else was weighing in at sixteen ish pounds for their their fishing haul, and these guys were at like thirty pounds. These two anglers were indicted today. They had an angle, all right. They were indicted on charges of attempted grand theft and other counts as well. Well, That's a whale of a charge. They had been accused of this in the past or thought that... It wasn't like these guys randomly got caught. People were kind of aware of what they had been doing. For example, I read that in these fishing tournaments, because not all of them are like bass tournaments where they keep the fish alive and release them after the weigh-in. These are all dead fish. That the anglers will donate them to local food banks, and these guys never did. Stuff like that. Little things where it's like it's custom to do things, and they wouldn't do the things that are custom because they were clearly covering it up, but they can never prove it. And now they got proof. So there are other tournaments that they won worth thousands of dollars where that comes into question. This isn't just a one-off. I mean, these guys possibly had stolen a lot of money. According to, uh, let's see, they would have received $28,760 in prizes for winning the tournament. According to the search warrant affidavits, the five walleye contained a total of eight 
12 ounce lead weights and two 8 ounce weights, as well as fish fillets that had been stuffed inside of them. Not the sandwich. So, the Pennsylvania so, Fish and Boat Commission seized a boat, trailer, and fishing gear belonging to the two men in Pennsylvania. They'd used the boat during last month's tournament. One of the affidavits also, as Borky mentioned, points out that there had been previous allegations of cheating, and they had been investigated by the police previously. According to a Rossford, Ohio, police report, an assistant Wood County prosecutor concluded that although the men might have cheated, there was not enough evidence to charge them. So the, these, the previous winnings, they have to give that back? Are they on the hook for that? Oh, he just keeps on coming, doesn't he? Keeps throwing them out there and reeling them in. I'm just reeling them in. Yeah. Oh, there's no Bill dancing around this. Not one iota. We're Bill dancing. <laughs> Look at Borky. Borky is he's like, sick he's done. stomach right he's like, now. Stop. That's enough. Just I want Bill stop. Dance to be the guest picker. I want Bill Dance to be the guest picker this weekend. He should be. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Oh, who better? Him or Dolly Parton? Those are the best two choices. They'll pick somebody dumb like Peyton Manning. <sighs> Dolly Parton's a better choice than Bill Dance. Is Dolly a Tennessee fan? I agree, but I don't know. But I mean, she lives in Tennessee, so you know. Dollywood's like, not probably not that far from Knoxville. No, but Bill Dance rocking the old school, the Texas, the Tennessee mesh hat at all times. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. He wore that style hat way before it was cool. Oh, well, no, he wore it back when it was cool, and then it became uncool, and he just kept wearing it, and now it's cool again. Speaking of cool, Dolly Parton might be one of the coolest people to have ever lived. She is the. If we had to elect a queen, would be. My she vote. would be your queen. Oh yeah. Do you know what her favorite fast food restaurant is? You'll never. You may never guess if you don't know. I guess not. Is Taco a, Bell. Oh, my kind of girl. She is. She's the reason the Mexican pizza was brought back because she said, "I I, I love the Mexican pizza." I was so sad. When the, she did an interview about it, and it got brought up, and then like a week later, like we're bringing Mexican pizza back. Something's different about the new Mexican pizza. I don't know I'll take what your word it is. For it. I'm not a big fan of the Mexican pizza. So, yeah. I just know that people like it, and therefore, I, what is I, your I standard Taco Bell order? I, I want to get two steak soft tacos, just uh, meat and cheese, and a uh, nachos bel grande, only cheese and extra meat. It always makes me mad. I take off everything else, but they still charge me for the extra meat. Mm. But I want as You're... much of that grade D dog food beef they're willing to put on there. Just I'm swap too... it on for me. Two crunchy taco supremes, nacho bel grande, no beans, an order of cinnamon twists, and a, uh, a Mountain Dew. I don't get a drink. I always stop and get a Coke on the way home. I don't like Pepsi products. Well, no you're not a Taco Bell guy, are you? I mean, I haven't been drunk like that in a while, so no. <laughs> drunk? Just good eating. What does that have to do with anything? It's the only time I might I've get ever Taco Bell tonight. I may have talked myself into it. Mm. You got I, something against Dolly Parton? Is that what you're telling me, Borky? No, I just I haven't. What she ever do to you? I haven't had our queen. Taco Bell not intoxicated ever, probably. 
What about Waffle House? You ever eat Waffle House sober? Yeah. We went like all the okay. time in high school. Okay. 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 Somebody said, I love Taco Bell. Too bad it doesn't love me. Well, that's just, you got to okay. you gotta figure out how yeah, much anyway, you love there's it. There's no response. I just read the message. We don't have to respond to every message. No, just to, I'm just saying. Acknowledge I'm it by saying. reading it. Hey. See, I, I'm, this is a bridge too far for me. Taco Bell fries are the best fries of any fast food. Mm. 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 I got that nacho seasoning on there, you know? Uh, Bill Bender will join us. We'll talk about some of the um, the Big Ten games that are uh, are coming up this weekend, but also his thoughts on some of what's happening in the SEC. Do we all agree that there are five legitimately good teams in the SEC and then there's kind of everybody else? Yes. Yes, five is the number. It, it's, it's Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. Yes. And if you want to rank those five in order, I suppose you can. I think that ranking becomes a little more clear after this week. I mean, clearly, if Tennessee beats Alabama, you might put them at the top of that list. Is there or should there be, in your mind, separation between Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, or if you think Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee belong in a group together between Mississippi State and Ole Miss? Or is it just those five belong in a box and just pull them out in whatever order? That seems a little disingenuous. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a blemish. Yeah. Mississippi State does. Ole Miss doesn't, but they haven't been tested the way Tennessee has. I think it's more likely that Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia are in a group of their own, and we'll find out how that gets separated this weekend. And then there's a step down before you get to State and Ole Miss, and then there's another step down before you get to LSU, A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky. Am I crazy for saying that Alabama will have played the most difficult schedule to this point of the season after this week? At Texas, at Arkansas, home against Texas A&M, at Tennessee? Yeah, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, they're losing that game in Austin. They lose that game. I've I've, I've come to accept that, yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe... 10-2 Texas in the playoff? Say that again. 10-2 Ten and two Texas in the playoff. If this were a twelve, people are talking about here. it. No, if they run the table, they run the table. No, that would knock out Oklahoma State. That would knock mm-hmm. out TCU. And you can say with a straight face, they would have. They'd be undefeated with Quinn Ewers if he hadn't gotten hurt. You could say that, and yet they still have two losses. They would need a little help. I mean, that's but... that's. Got to talk about it. Yeah. It's a discussion. People are saying it. Seems like a little bit of a premature discussion. Bill Bender from the Sporting News on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. Okay. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, halfway through the work week, trending toward a massive college football weekend. It's time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Before we talk with Bill Bender, we need to first recognize something that he retweeted uh, about, uh, oh, I guess it was early this morning. This was from a game on ABC in 1997 between two teams who will also play this weekend. Take a listen. Unbeaten, number four, Michigan, coming to challenge number three, Penn State. Hello again, everybody, and welcome. This is one of those games that matters mightily in college football, especially since it is on the second Saturday in November. And these are elements that will be impacted by what happens here today. They include the Big Ten Conference Championship, the Rose Bowl, a possible invitation to an Alliance Bowl, the National Championship, and the Heisman Trophy. Now, if that doesn't whet your appetite, you're watching the wrong channel. The great Keith Jackson. Thank you to Bill Bender for sharing that on Twitter earlier this week. What an iconic voice, and what a game that was. Are we going, Bill? to get a similar type game this weekend in Big Ten country with Penn State and Michigan. Well, hey, good to talk to you. And uh, I got chills like listening to it because he he was the best. And yes. he painted that picture that day. I remember watching that game and the impact it had on that season. Michigan obviously went to uh, split a national championship. They're honoring that team this weekend. And I don't know if it'll be that big, but having both teams in the top ten is pretty amazing part of just absolutely loaded day of college football that we're going to get. And I, I I don't know if I'm alone, but I know I'm not alone, but Keith Jackson will always be my favorite announcer. And it'll, because of reasons like that, he must have beat on that club. It, it's just absolutely spectacular, and you are not alone. There, there are many, many people that are on that train with you. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you as well. So... We've got three matchups involving undefeated teams. We've got six matchups involving top 25 teams. Bill, this has been a, I think it's been a really interesting and a little bit different football season than we've had in recent years. We're basically at the halfway point. When you look at this college football season, how do you describe it? So far, it's stuck to the script a little bit. You know, I mean, like last weekend, for example, everybody in the top 10 won. You had some uh, upsets here and there. You've had good stories like Kansas. I think James Madison's one of the best stories of the year, quite frankly. They uh, first-year FBS team getting into the top 25 and not blinking against anybody. Um, and that's why this weekend's so interesting to me, Richard, because we're going to have some movement finally. We're going to see if uh, Tennessee can finally beat Alabama. We're going to see if uh, you know Michigan is, is for real. We're going to see... Clemson go down to Florida State. Florida State's not ranked, but that's not an easy game. Um, we're going to see Oklahoma State and TCU. I, I love weekends like this because, and it just happens in, to be my favorite month is October, and just to have a weekend like that is truly phenomenal. It's the third Saturday in October, and this year it feels like it's living up to its billing. Tennessee upsetting Alabama is its a sexy trend. It's something a lot of people are talking about. Gives me pause a little bit, because when people start talking about Alabama being dethroned 
Alabama tends to not get dethroned. When you look at this matchup between the Vols and the Crimson Tide, what stands out for you? And are you on the the bandwagon of, yeah, Tennessee not only can but actually will win this game? They can, and on paper with that offense, you know, they should be able to make it fun. I know that fan base has been itching for this one for years. I mean, when you lose 15 in a row to a rival, you're at home. But what gives me pause is the same thing. That, that gives you pause. I'm sure Nick Saban has used that all week. I was down there in 16 when they blew up Tennessee with uh, Jalen Hurts. I was down there in 18 when they did it again with Tua. Um, the two the two possible large overreactions from Saturday, one would be Alabama losing because we love pronouncing them dead. You saw that last week. You thought they might lose. And then two would be if Alabama goes in there and just blows them up again because we know what the overreactions will be at Tennessee and that fan base when you've been starving for something that long and you don't get it. Bill, what do you make of Ole Miss at this point? They're sitting there at 6-0. and They're in the top ten. The schedule has not been overly difficult. But we were talking about this earlier. And, okay, it's Auburn this week, and then it's a trip to LSU, and then it's a trip to A&M. You really could get deep into the schedule and still be asking the question of of what is Ole Miss. So what do you make of this team? I love the way they run the football. I love that they've kind of flown under the radar as a 6-0 and team. I mean, obviously they had the escape against the Kentucky game and the defense came through in crunch time. Um, I think what Lane Kiffin's done is, is really phenomenal, protecting a transfer quarterback like Jackson Dart, who – in turn, had his biggest game last week, over 400 yards. So just that ability to run the football, and their defense gets after it. So, I mean, if you look at their schedule, if they can take care of business this week and take care of business, I believe they're – I don't have it in front of me. They're at LSU next weekend, I think. Yeah, that's um, And they, they could set up to have a pretty magical night in November when Alabama has to play the next big road game because they still have to go to LSU and then and then Ole Miss. That night in Ole Miss and Oxford could be truly special if uh, it comes to that. Speaking of teams that I feel like kind of fly under the radar, and I don't think it's just this year. I, I think Mike Gundy's Oklahoma State team every year un, until we get to like the last week of the regular season and they're kind of in the uh, you know the race for a Big Twelve. I just feel like they they fly under the radar and they just keep winning. It's a really fun matchup in Fort Worth this week. Number eight, Oklahoma State, undefeated at 5-0. and Number 13, TCU, first year for uh, for Sonny Dykes there. An impressive win for them at Kansas last week. What, what, what do you see here? Yeah, it could be fun. It could be a, a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, a team that certainly value and they're an underdog this week and they've got a good decision maker in Spencer Sanders, a guy that doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, can beat you with his feet. Their offense has answered every challenge. I think they're the Big 12's best bet to get in the college football playoff right now. And it's kind of like what I said about Lane Kiffin. For for everything that Mike Gundy does and says and we remember in the press conferences, they've flown under the radar a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to replace Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator and still playing pretty good defense too. Um, that's, that's a fun game because Max Duggan and TCU and Sonny Dykes and everything they're doing there, uh, very good team as well. It's a shame it has to go up against Alabama, Tennessee, because I think fewer people are going to watch that and truly appreciate how good that game could be. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. Hey, hey, this is one that smells fishy. 
You, you look Southern Cal at Utah. Utah coming off the loss to UCLA. They, they lost the season opener at Florida, and yet Utah is a favorite. Rice Eccles Stadium, tough place to play. What, what, what are what are the odds makers looking at here? Man, I, I fell for it, whatever it is, because I'm taking USC. I think I watched UCLA called up Utah a little bit. Granted, it was on the road. Again, Utah is going to be different, uh, desperate in this spot, right? And, um, you know, I think USC and Caleb Williams and that team, they're just cut out to go win this. Uh, Lincoln Riley was another huge road game for them. I like their chances. So I, I took USC. I still think – you know, along with UCLA, they've really made the Pac-12 interesting. Um, the Pac-12, Richard, they have a big game every week. Every yeah, week. And that's right. how you stay in the playoff conversation. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's fun to have that, that part of the country relevant, or, or at least somewhat relevant at the halfway point of the season, because it's been a while since we've seen that. Bill, i got to ask you about Mississippi State. They're playing really good football. Back-to-back home wins against, uh, against Texas A&M and Arkansas. They head to Lexington this week. The news of Will Levis likely playing brought that line down from around a touchdown to about four today. We've tried to break this down as objectively as possible, and I just feel like Mississippi State is better than Kentucky in every facet of the game. Am I crazy? No, no. I mean, Levis adds to it, obviously. But I was just kind of going through this in my head, and I probably should have researched this before I came on. Is there another state? teams that are 11 and one right now I don't think so I mean this is a, a really good time for you guys down there because will Rogers is playing high level football the defense has been better I was impressed with how they've knocked out you know uh, I know they had the blip against LSU but I mean they've got something there and, and they've got something that if they take care of business this week I know every storyline in the SEC somewhat revolves around Alabama but there you go again I mean if Mississippi State can take care of their business this week, and I think they will, uh, you go to their game against Alabama. And all of these games are just riveting to me. So it's a good thing because I think we get into late October, we're going to have a lot of fun. Bill, if I told you you could only watch one game this weekend, after you were done crying because of your sadness, because I know you want to soak it all in, what's the one game that you would pick among all the others that you would absolutely say that's the one I'm watching? Well, it brings our conversation full circle, and as much as I would want to watch Penn State and Michigan, I, I, I've seen that one, and I think we're going to get a 28-24 game. I am really interested to see what happens in Knoxville this weekend. Yeah. yeah, Just because of the nature of this program, everything you're seeing on Twitter, ranging from a shirtless guy rapping to pictures <laughs> from the past, um, it, it's... Uh, I don't look like that with my shirt off, but uh, I, I've watched that far too many times. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun in Knoxville, win or lose for Tennessee. It's going to be a great weekend. Always enjoy the conversations, Bill. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Uh, no problem. Thanks so much for having me on. Take care. Bill Bender on the Farm Bureau guest line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back after this. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, same question we wrapped up with uh, Bill for you guys, and and maybe it's an easy answer here. Maybe maybe for everybody at CBS two thirty Alabama, 
Tennessee and Knoxville. We all want to watch as much college football as we can this weekend because it's a great weekend. You can only watch one. Is that the one you're watching, or is there something else? Aside from the two I have to watch for for work-related purposes, yes, Alabama-Tennessee would be my choice. Any dissenting opinion there, Borky? No. That's the one. And to answer uh, Bill's question, California and Ohio are the only two that would be able to compete with Mississippi right now. Ohio State is undefeated, and who would be the – oh, Cincinnati would be the Cincinnati. one-loss team? Yeah. That's then, in his home state. Uh, he didn't come up with that one. I know. USC, UCLA, both undefeated. Ooh. Combined 12-0 and for those two. 12-0, and yeah. Yeah. You know, 11-0, 11-0, USC, UCLA, both wearing the home jerseys. Where is that game? Titillating, just to think about it. Where, where is that Please one? be in the Rose Bowl. Please be in the Rose Bowl. Surely they'll get a crowd for that one. Come on. Oh, no. I was going to say, please be in the Coliseum. Yeah. It's at UCLA. It is in the Rose Bowl on November 19th. And it'll look like the actual Rose Bowl game where two fan bases are divided by half. Will yeah. there be more red or powder blue in this stadium? Red. Red. They may actually take those gigantic tarps off the stadium, too. Have you seen That's those in the things? Coliseum, though, isn't it? Are they doing that at the Rose Bowl? Yeah, oh, no, my gosh. At the, at the Rose Bowl, the they are huge oh, tarps. I, I mean, I, I saw well, somebody huge stadium. say that they need to just give up on the Rose Bowl and build like a 35,000-seat, you know, intimate environment, and that would be better for them. And, and Exactly. Same thing with Vanderbilt. You didn't get to go to Vanderbilt. I, I talked to somebody that went to the stadium, and apparently they're they're doing work on it eventually. As, as soon as the season ends, they break ground on the, the renovations. And, and that'll be great. But they had a chance to use the brand-new state-of-the-art soccer stadium that they built there. Yeah, it was going to be like a joint venture, wasn't it? And they said no. Hmm. And they, they at least could have done that until... But are choosing, I mean, the, the way that, that my buddy described that place is, and I've been there once, it was a while ago, I don't really remember it that well. It's shocking how bad it is. It's, it's brutal. And they had a chance to go down the road and use something brand new with permanent seats and awnings and like beer gardens and stuff, like parking, everything. State of the art, brand new, said no. If I remember correctly, Nashville FC was building that stadium at the fairgrounds, right? Which is really not far from Vanderbilt's campus. And in terms of parking, it would have been great. <laughs> parking is not great currently if you uh, go to a Vanderbilt football game. And, and looking at the pictures of it, it's a beautiful venue. Absolutely. Yeah, M- missed opportunity there for Nashville. Very short-sighted. No, 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 we've got an on-campus stadium. We're playing in the on-campus stadium. And look, I am not by any stretch of the imagination defending UCLA. The Rose Bowl is like an hour from from Westwood. They have to bus students to the game. They pick them up on campus, and they take an hour bus ride to the game. I'm serious. Yeah, I can imagine. Who wants to do that? Based on the pictures of their student section, not many. Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> Nobody. But they'll show up for the USC game. 
especially if both teams are in good good places at that point. Yeah. Curious what the uh, capacity is for that soccer stadium in Nashville. I mean, it's got to be in the 30,000 range, right? Yeah, you would think. Maybe 25,000, 30,000. Uh, Geotis Park, 30,000. Perfect. That's just perfect. That that's there would have been room to spare for the crowd that went to the game on Saturday. I my guess is the Vanderbilt did not want to disappoint all the Georgia and Ole Miss and everybody fans who are there every two years and expect to you know be on that stadium. They need the room to, for for the tickets. Yeah, you got to make money somehow, don't you? Hey, we get I mean, a message. You can only sell. 10,000 tickets to Georgia fans as opposed to 15,000. That's a big That's a big hit. Yeah. How about this message on the uh, ceasefire text line? 601-879-4395. Guys, love the show. The military will have a huge footprint in Oxford this weekend. The United States Special Operations Command will be parachuting in for the game. Heck, yeah. I feel like the person that sent that message that's knows cool. something. So if, if you're involved with that, strap a GoPro on one of those guys. Those are the coolest videos on earth to watch. The guys jumping out of the airplanes to parachute into a football stadium. That is awesome. This will be the third football game I've been at in person this year with parachuters coming in. So when East Carolina hosted Navy, I thought this was great military shade. They had the Army, um, they had the Army Black Knights jump team (laughs) bring the game ball in when they were playing Navy. Oh, man. That's Forky, great. To, that to your great. point, there was a jump, a parachute team that brought in the game ball this past weekend in Cincinnati. Not only did they have a GoPro on the helmet, they had a GoPro with wireless communication that they showed on the video board oh, as man. the guy was flying into the stadium. That's awesome. It was super cool. Awesome. Love flyovers, love parachuters. That's awesome. We'll be back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Baseball playoff games yesterday to get the postseason started. Philly beat Atlanta 7-6. The Astros get a three-run walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning from uh, Jordan Alvarez, and they come from behind to win 8-7. Yankees 4-1 over the Guardians. Garrett Cole was quite good, and the Dodgers win 5-3 over the Padres, led 5-0 in the game and then held on for the rest of the way. Atlanta and Philadelphia should be playing right now. That game had a 3.37 central time, so 4.37 eastern first pitch. They are still in the top of the first in a rain delay. So um, did not get far into the game at all uh, when uh, when it went into a delay. So they might actually play a playoff game on a weekday when people aren't working? Yes. Thanks, Rain. Yes, that is uh, that is correct. I'll say, is that game even started? I, I don't know that they actually threw a pitch in the game. They have not. And okay. then, and then more people are going to watch, and they're going to think, "Wait, what the heck? Maybe we should play these games at night." And then uh, also, you have San Diego and LA 
happening, 7.37 Central Time. Of course, the folks in L.A. are going to be like, why we got to go first pitch at 5.37 on the right. West Coast? Yeah. <laughs> it will be a late-arriving crowd at Dodger Stadium for that one. Buddy, TV's controlling everything, and it's happening right before our eyes. I mean, you look at this weekend in college football, the best games, all of them, are done by 6 o'clock. You've got, if you're into USC, right. UCLA, or, or USC, or Utah, Utah, then sure. But the best I games, top twenty-five matchup. The best games, though, all are done before six o'clock. And then, of course, state fans. Yes, you are you are factored into that greatly. But these top twenty-five versus top twenty-five playoff contenders, all that, they're done before the prime time even begins. Michigan Penn State's at noon Eastern. Those are two play Big Ten power brand playoff teams. Borky, I will be intrigued to see how many more people watch that game than watch Ole Miss Auburn. Ole Miss Auburn's gonna do a good number. It'll be two and a half million, two point seven million. Penn State Michigan will do seven million. Yeah, my probably, maybe even more. Seven, eight million? If I had to guess, my over-under would be eight. Do you think Alabama-Tennessee goes over ten? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be a massive number for CBS. Oh, yeah. So Texas-Alabama did ten, right? Wasn't it? It was like ten-five? It'll beat that, I think. Okay. I think. Doesn't get to 15, does it? Mm-mm. 15.9 million is what watched Monday Night Football. Yeah, especially. it won't be that. But it'll be stupid, massive. Power brands, Southeast, perfect kickoff time, all that. Seaspire text line is how you get in touch with us. 601-879-4395 at Seaspire. They're in search of the ambitious, the curious, the norm breakers, the never settlers. They love to innovate and live to make technology faster, smarter, better, and more accessible every day. You can work in the field of cutting-edge technology with one of the best mid-sized companies in the United States, according to Forbes. More than a job or a paycheck, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Aspire to more at cspire, cspire.com slash careers to apply. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. But come on, you've heard me say it a million times. Don't stop there. Don't stop on a website. Go to your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. 45 straight years, F-150, the best-selling truck in America. Uh, let me check my notes and make sure this is right. Okay, Michael Borky is reporting that Bryce Young will not play on Saturday for Alabama. Did I read that correctly? I don't think that's exactly what they say, but there there is some interesting quotes from Nick Saban about the health of his quarterback. Now, you got to take all this stuff with a grain of salt because, you know, coaches lie. They they lie all the time. But Bryce Young didn't play last week, and clearly he was bothered on his throwing shoulder. So something's wrong, and these quotes are interesting. He said, quote, there's really nothing to tell you. He's making progress, and he's been able to practice some. We'll continue to ele- uh, or evaluate him as this week progresses. 
I don't think that he was in a position that he could go and effectively do his job the way he's capable of doing it, talking about the game last week. He's made a lot of progress from that point. It was also re reported that he practiced but didn't throw earlier this week, which is your quarterback, enough. and you practice but don't throw. Did you, Are you practice? Really practicing? It's like saying the chef went to culinary school but didn't cook. Mental reps, Sporky. It's mental reps. All about mental reps. Mental repetitions. Heart, heart of a champion. They're obviously just saving him for the bigger opponent next weekend. Could be. Could could be that that's, uh, that's what is, is They need happening. a West win. They're not worried about these East games. Uh, by the way, Nick Saban's comments were unprompted. That was kind of like he knew he was going to get the question, and so he just started out with, there's really nothing there to tell you. He's making progress. He's been able to practice some. We'll continue to evaluate him. Um, Greg McElroy said, I guess this was on his radio show with Cole Kublik, based on what I've been told, it's highly unlikely that the injury can be further aggravated by playing on it, which is great news. So I anticipate him being out there. It's just a matter of whether or not he is without limitations. Like we talked about last week, you're dealing with an injury that is almost all about pain management. How you manage the pain is kind of up to the extent of the injury and the player himself. We need to get your doctor buddy back on, because there, there's that statement again. Oh, he can't hurt it any worse. Then how did he hurt it at the beginning? Oh, uh, you, you can't you can't further damage it. Is is that like the worst possible injury you could have? You're telling me that if a 310 pound Tennessee lineman doesn't tackle Bryce Young and land on that shoulder, that you can't do anything to it? That that statement's always bizarre to me. Ah, oh, it can't get any worse. Well, then well, how I mean, did he hurt it in the first place? But doesn't that mean that the injury itself can't be more severe than it currently is? I guess, like, like, if the same thing happened all over again, it doesn't become a worse injury that requires the arm to be amputated. But if the same thing happened again, then ha then I why did hey Dad would giggle about amputation? Then why did he miss a game? If it can't that's get a, any worse, there's a pain tolerance thing. So last week was only about pain tolerance, or did it have to? Perhaps. Did they have to do some stuff first? Before I don't, it's it's just the downplaying of a a quarterback's throwing shoulders injury cracks me up. There's a reason same he with, didn't play. Winston and the the Saints. It's just yeah. like, what do you mean it can't get worse? It could break all the way, couldn't it? Yeah, but when they say that, they're talking about that specific injury. I mean, like if you have. Tim Elko playing on a torn ACL. It was like, he's going to have to have surgery. If he can manage the pain, give it a go. The injury itself can't get any worse than it currently is. You've already torn the ACL. You can't re-tear the ACL and it become worse than it yeah. is. No, I understand. It's more semantics than anything else, but he's already missed a game because of that injury. It can be... It can go back to the point where he's missing more games. It's not like he's good to go and won't miss any more football. The exact injury, if a 300-pound man falls on his shoulder, hey Brian, hey, could Dad, cause him to miss another game. How do you feel about that if he, he re-injured it and couldn't play next week? 
I mean, at this point, it's just like the that's just the way the season goes, I guess. We're just going to take it all the way through. Looking forward to seeing Luke Altmyer in the Egg Bowl. How's that rabbit's foot you've got stuck in your underwear band? I have a whole rabbit. <laughs> I mean, it kind of kind of seems like it. I, I wish he'd stop moving around. Oh, oh, jeez. We're going to talk more about Kentucky on the uh, the other side of this break in uh, in just a few minutes. Alex Gershon is going to join us. He covers the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Aaron. Aaron. Just, well, he's not on with us, so I can make up names for now. That's a good point. That's a good point. Aaron Gershon will, uh, will join us, covers the Kentucky Wildcats, and we'll talk with him about some of the issues that we've talked about at Kentucky. Are they looking at things differently than, than we are? Um, should be a fun conversation. It's a fun week. It's a really fun week. Lee Sterling's it's a fun time us. of year. Yeah, Lee Sterling will join us tomorrow. We'll get Lee's thoughts. We'll get um, on Friday, of course, Bruce Marshall will join us. We'll have high school football stuff on Friday. we got two f- more full days, plus another 45 minutes on this Wednesday afternoon with you as we count down to Week 7 in college football and what a weekend it is going to be. This is Sports Talk Mississippi and the Pearl River Resort Studios. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Rolling along in this 5 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I think our guest and I could be friends. Aaron Gershon, I was scrolling through his uh, his, his Twitter timeline. A lot of New York Yankees stuff on there. Aaron, what's up, my oh, man? Yeah. Hey, man, yeah, I, that, is a, that is a fact. I am originally from Connecticut. And my whole family's from New York, so uh, I'm a big Yankees fan, big Giants fan. Four and one start has been really exciting on that end. So uh, it's a good time to be a fan of those teams right now. Yeah, no, no question about that. It, you tweeted something earlier this week that that kind of stands out. Kentucky offensively against Mississippi State's Zach Arnett defense in 2020, mm-hmm. 157 total yards. Now Kentucky won that game 24 to two. Um, last year, 216 total yards, three interceptions by Will Levis, and Kentucky lost the game. It was pretty convincing, 31-17 the final score, but it really wasn't all that close. Why can Kentucky be different against State, or can they be different against State this year? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you look at the first game, that offense was not good in 2020 outside of Chris Rodriguez. I mean, you had Terry Wilson, that quarterback, who was coming off a torn patellar tendon, really just was coming, kind of coming back for, you know, pride. He didn't want to end his career on a debilitating injury. So, you know, that offense really struggled. They obviously fired that offense coordinator, Eddie Grant, after the season. So I kind of throw that game out just a little bit. But last year is where, you know, you kind of take more of it um, into account. And last year, 
was Will Levis's worst game, I think, in a Kentucky uniform. Uh, you mentioned the three picks. Rodriguez lost the fumble, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Starkville has been a house of horrors. Uh, for Kentucky, really, you know, since the, the last one in 2008, even when the you know the program played a lot better and had some success against State at home, so um, it, it, it was not a good performance last year. But I think the biggest difference this year, um, I don't know, I really don't know how much more success they're going to have. I can tell you, it, it does seem like Will Levis is going to play, barring anything crazy. So that'll obviously help. Um, I do think that. Um, one, Levis's decision making has gotten a lot better. I mean, you look, you know, he has four interceptions. Uh, you know, two of them are tipped that went off his own guy's hands. So, I, in my book, he's thrown two. And one of them, uh, really, I'm, I'm sorry, one of them was off a guy's hands. The other one, you know, he was going down on a sack, and a Florida defender was able to get the ball into the air and tip it and make a great play. So, really, just two picks where I'm like, oh, come on, that's a bad throw. But, um, so that's part of it. Obviously, anytime you turn the ball over a lot against Mississippi State and give that offense more time with the ball, bad things are going to happen. So that's one. And two, you know, obviously Kentucky had a great receiver last year in Wondell Robinson, but this year when they're clicking, they have three really good ones in Tavion Robinson, Dane Key, and Barry on Brown, uh, two of which, Brown and Robinson, are extremely fast. And if you give them space, I mean, they could go all the way. We've seen it with Brown on a 100-yard kick return and a 70-yard touchdown. So, and he really against Ole Miss should have had two or three long touchdowns where one Ole Miss guy made a great uh, great tackle, uh, one he tripped over his own guy's foot, and the other, um, again, another good play by the Ole Miss defense getting a good angle. So I think that's the big thing. But, I mean, I know Mississippi State's really good at uh, creating turnovers, so that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure because uh, Kentucky's going to want to throw the ball. But um, Chris Rodriguez being back helps, but this offensive line, uh, you know, they, they're good in run blocking. They are not good at protecting the quarterback. And that's kind of where I want to go, Aaron. And I've talked to a couple of other Kentucky people uh, this week and a couple of other people, but I want to get your opinion. I mean, Stoops' teams have always been built around the line of scrimmage and winning those battles there. Just why is this Kentucky offensive line struggling the way it is? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of two things. One, and it's a cop-out, but it's true, it's a lack of uh, experience and continuity. I mean, you've got a redshirt freshman at left guard in Jagger Burton at right tackle. You know, last week it was a freshman in DeAndre Buford uh, with Jeremy Flax uh, out. I think he will go this weekend, but even Jeremy Flax, he's a first-year starter as a junior, so he doesn't have that much experience. You have um, Kenneth Torsey who has played a real, had a really good career, but at guard. So he's kind of playing left tackle for a full season for the first time. You have Eli Cox at center, who was an all, uh, mid-season All-American before getting hurt last year, but he played guard, and this is his first year at center. So there's definitely a lack of continuity. And remember, a third offensive line coach in three years because, you know, the tragedy with John Schlarman and his passing uh, during the 2020 season. And then Eric Wolford, who was the offensive line coach last year, goes to Alabama. So there's a lot of lack of continuity in that room. And then the other thing, I think they've really thought that Keontae Goodwin, who's a five-star recruit uh, that they signed, he's a left tackle. I really think they they thought he was going to be ready right away, and they did not address that in the portal. I think maybe he's kind of come and the progression to college has gone a little slower than anticipated and not having you know that veteran tackle or at least really good left tackle has hurt them because that's been such a position of strength, uh, like you said, throughout the years. 
Visiting with Aaron Gershon. He uh, covers the Kentucky Wildcats for 24-7 Sports at the Cats Paws 247. You can follow Aaron on Twitter if you want to at agershon99. So, Aaron, I, I was I was intrigued a little bit by what Coach Stoops said after the game last week. He was really frustrated with the way Kentucky played kind of across the board. Effort, attitude, execution, all the coach buzzwords. And he said it, it really was the, the first time in a really long time that they had played that way. Is this one of those things where it's like a like a kind of a rally the troops, circle the wagons type deal, and, and you get a more inspired effort than what you saw last Saturday? I think so. I think that, you know, there, even we got a J.J. Weaver, can, arguably Kentucky's pass, best pass rusher, who they got back last week from injury, said after the game, you know, there's a lack of juice, and a lot of that was because Will Levis was out. And I think that, and, you know, you go watch that game, and was Kaya Sure and Will Levis? Absolutely not. Was he that bad? No. You had a lot of drops and guys who really didn't seem to rally around him for whatever reason. They just felt like, you know, we have a top 10 prospect at quarterback, potentially a first-round pick, and we just were screwed because we don't have them. That was kind of the attitude that the team brought. And, yeah. you know, that's why Mark said during that press conference a million times, we didn't rally around him, we didn't play well around him because, really, the quarterback had no chance. Uh, with the way guys were playing around them. So um, I definitely think with Will back, you're going to get that inevitably. But also, I mean, you know, this is a program that it, – it's a, this is a pivotal moment because they came into this sure. season, um, picked to finish second in the East, and I think rightfully so. I mean, tip your cat to what Tennessee's doing, but I don't think anyone saw it being this dominant so far. So they need to, you know, turn this thing around because if you look at the rest of the schedule – you know, you still got Tennessee and Georgia on it. You lose this game, you're probably staring at seven and five at best as long as you take care of business, you know, against Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Louisville, all games, you know, Kentucky should win handedly. So this is a really, really pivotal game uh, that'll either kind of decide if you can still get to eight and four and if you get an upset win nine and three, or, you know, you're staring seven and five in the, in the face. And that is, that would be a huge step back, you know, sure. for a program that's been. Uh, doing much better than that lately. Aaron, we talked about this on Monday. Uh, Rick Scandrello, the offensive coordinator, there was a lot of conversation on the broadcast last Saturday night about scripted plays and learning what defenses are going to do so that you know you can later take advantage of the, that, uh, of the game. I, I get that, but I thought it was a really poorly called first quarter, first mm-hmm. half, a, as opposed to really getting you know, a, a young quarterback into a rhythm with some early success. Did you look at that and go, they just didn't help their quarterback? With I play thought calling? it was a poorly called game all the way. Yeah, okay. no, uh, I'm exactly with you. Obviously, you come out of the game, you know, first play of the game, you go trickery, which, come on, you have a great running back. Give the ball to Chris Rodriguez, Rodriguez on first down. Yeah, Jeez. Exactly. Against a terrible run defense, South Carolina came into that game ranked 107th in the country stopping the run, I think either last or second to last in the conference. So that was a terrible play call and a terrible idea. I mean, maybe you'd pull that out later in the game, but first play of the game, awful. And obviously it was, a, you know, even more disastrous um, outcome with the fumble. But that aside, it just, you know, the whole game, it just felt like, you know, we, we talked about playing around uh, Kaya Sharon. They didn't coach well around him either. And in the second half, I took more issue, honestly, in the second half when 
you know, this was a 7-7 game at halftime. It didn't really feel that way, but it was. And South Carolina, a team Kentucky taken care of, still, I think, have more talent than, you know, you should be able to still win that game. And, you know, you, you give up the long touchdown, whatever, it's just one-score game. Chris Rodriguez got the ball six times in the second half. Again, he ran for 126 yards, and I think 99 of those were in the first half. So, you know, I understand they had to throw the ball late down two scores, but when you're still only down one score to go away from the run, uh, especially, again, with a quarterback making his first career start, only a redshirt freshman, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And I definitely think, you know, Liam Cohn, who was here last year, obviously gets the Rams off as the coordinator job. I think it was a better uh, – I just think there was better play calling last year up to this point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's still belief in this NFL system that could work and – they definitely also got to play with a quicker pace. I think a big problem last week with the new quarterback was just, you know, it's a lot of with this NFL offense, a lot of verbiage, a lot of that. Uh, the plays took too long. There was just too little time on the play clock at the end. I listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. semi-rough weather that's moving through parts of North Mississippi, and some of you have mentioned that uh, listening on 101.9 FM, you are having a little trouble picking up the show. Just a quick uh, public service announcement. You can always get the show on the Super Talk Mississippi app, which is free in the App Store. You can also go to supertalk.fm and listen online uh, with the listen live function, and of course you can always get it afterward. Uh, as well. Hunter in Columbus says, uh, I missed some of the show today because there were people at work that made me want to actually work. Had to take my earpiece out right in the middle of a good conversation. Just a reminder that you guys make lots of people's days better. Thanks, Hunter. Appreciate that. And I hope the people that I would find a job though. Yeah. With work. Yeah, it's you know hope they get stuck in traffic on the way home. Like hit every red light. Maybe you have to wait on a train. Yeah. Across the tracks. Oh man, no! I I I seek out trains now. I have done the move. So there's a train track that runs parallel to the back That's of our neighborhood. That's your son, though. Yeah. He loves trains. Oh man, I, I have pulled the move of I hear the train horn in the distance. I scoop him up and we sprint to the car. We get in the car and we drive to the back of the neighborhood so we can see the train go by. Borky, this is an opportunity Borky's like Johnny for you. Cash. Thank you for stealing my joke oh. as I was trying to tell. Ah, uh, well, I was just adding. That's why it's called a quip. Not a slope. I was going to say, Borky, this is an opportunity for you to introduce young James to one of the great musicians of all time. And when you hear it, go, hey, James, I hear the train coming. And then you boys go running. Man, I I was the best dad in the world two days in a row as we were running by where we can can walk up. I mean, what are you talking about there, Chief? Like where the the exit of our neighborhood crosses the railroad track. Well, Coach. We're driving by or we're running by there, and two days in a row the train was there when we were running by. It was perfect timing. Third day, I was the worst dad ever. 
I mean, heartbreak. Yeah, like you, oh man, like you've never <laughs> seen. He was expe- He totally was so believable. excited to see that train, and he was expecting it. And we turned the corner, and it is not there. And nobody has ever been hurt like that. And they're like, it was total betrayal. It's like, Dad, how could you do this to me? Surely this train has like an online schedule that you can find. I it need to look up, see when it's supposed to be there. But sometimes they come at like five a.m. Which, by the way, if you can't sleep and it's dark and it's five a.m. and you hear a distant train horn, oh, that makes the rough night it just incredible. Distant train horns are such a great sound. Uh, love that sound. Happened at five o'clock this morning. Couldn't sleep. Five a.m. I'm up, just kind of laying in bed. I was and up I hear five, that train horn. Believe it or not. Doot, doot. Go to Thomas the Train. I just woke up and he read the little you know, engine that could. Yeah, he's got it. He's uh, James is a character on Thomas the Train, so he's got a James train oh, named yeah. after him. Very good. Uh, that, Very good. The Polar Express better be making its way through town this holiday season because I can go right back to being the you best. You always in the world drive again. and go up to one. They they have them everywhere. You can get in the car and make a little trip out of it. Yeah, but I mean, you can get on it and the chocolate and nougat. Oh yeah, and eat sweets and. Ride in the train for a while. It's better than looking at it. Yeah, that's a uh, that is a cool experience. They used to do that in Batesville. We, we did that uh, one time. They, they do it in North Mississippi. That's what I'm saying. You can find one if they don't do one in Madison, and just make a little little trip out of it. Guys, Justin Hokanson covers Auburn at on three, and he was on next round with uh, Ryan and Jim Dunaway and Lance, and. They were talking about the Auburn job. I mean, everybody has moved on from Brian Harson, except the payroll department. They're still paying him. <laughs> they, they have not moved on yet, but everybody else has mentally checked they out. They check on, in every week, though. To, to the point <laughs> that the conversation was, who are the candidates? They don't have an athletics director, mind you. But they, they are openly discussing candidates for the Auburn job. And Justin Hokanson said the four most prominent names are former offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Wait, no, no, no. Was he at all? He, he was, was at, at Auburn. Auburn. He yeah. was the offensive okay. line coach when he was okay. at Auburn. You're thinking of, uh, yeah. He's currently the offensive coordinator at Baylor. That's right, and he was at uh, the the same position at BYU for three years, eighteen to twenty. Okay. Q Freeze, which is a name that we discussed yesterday. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and Luke Fickle. He did say, for what it's worth, that. He does not think the new president would sign off on Hugh Freeze. Thinks that they would have to get said no to a few times before he reconsidered that position. So, let's just talk about Deion Sanders for a second. Coach Prime, as he prefers to be called. Though I do think his name is Deion Sanders, and it's not disrespectful to use it. Um... Yes, no, maybe. What? What? So we were talking about this this morning, right? And I feel like there are a lot of people that characterize Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as a risky hire at a major Division One job. 
I said to you guys, I'm going to say exactly what I said to you guys this morning. And you know that I do not throw this term around. So forgive me, and, and please don't read into it anything more than just face value. The first thing I think that take is is lazy. To say that it's a, a risky hire. The second thing I think it is, is borderline racist. Here's why I say that. Because I know the term racism and racist gets thrown around all the time. And a lot of the times it's, it's very inappropriately used. But I think the reason that a lot of people say that Deion Sanders is a risky hire is because of the type player that he was. The, the the look at me, showboat, prime time, neon Dion, flashy guy. And people have not separated who he was as a player as who he is as a coach. Vorky pointed out the number when we were on our call this morning. Deion Sanders is twenty and five in his time at Jackson State. Is Four Jackson of those State the same as were the COVID year also, his first okay. year. Is Jackson State the same as Auburn? No, of course it's not. But he's won 20 of his 25 games. That's four out of five. That's an 80% clip. Is he playing a weaker schedule than Auburn plays? Yeah. But guess what? He's got a weaker team than Auburn's got as well. What If you're Auburn, what do you get? If you convince Deion Sanders to be your head coach. Players. Players. Instant, instant national recognition. More than you have even being Auburn and being a former national champion and being where Cam Newton and Bo Jackson played. You get more. Massive exposure. Marketing. Yeah. Companies wanting to Leading off Sports with, Center with college football. He, he would be the lead of every national show basically weekly and companies I'm not talking about boosters boosters would be all into on buying players but companies would want to be involved with your team like beats by like, Dre those, those kind of companies they're an Under Armour school right now and that may be a very good contract for them I don't know the details of it but Dion at Auburn is a Jordan brand school that's absolute happening. peak. You know, I, like I said, I don't know. But I'm yeah. just saying they would Jordan would want them at that point. But isn't Jackson State it, it Dion's in with Under Armour. Is he? Doesn't he have a deal with Under Armour and got Jackson State That's an no Under idea. Armour deal? I think. I have no idea. I mean Dion was a was a Nike guy back in the day. Right, so. right, he was. But anyway, I think you also get a quarterback. His son. Yeah. And you had you, you raised that question when we were talking earlier today. It's like, Dion going to Auburn isn't the question you're worried about. It's, is Shadur Sanders capable of being the quarterback at Auburn? That should, that's the bigger question there. Because that's yeah. what's happening. Back, back to the risky thing. We're up against a hard break. But it, to, to me, college football coaches have two jobs. Well, I guess three. Get players, win games, don't get in trouble. 
you really can't get in trouble anymore. So that's kind of out. He has proven that he can get players. And when do we stop ignoring the record? 20-5 and five is what has happened on the field. What more could you ask for at this moment? Get players, win games. He's getting players, he's winning games. What more do you want? Wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and the Pearl River Resort Studios. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. time on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel has got stores all over the state of Mississippi and the southeast that carry their fine menswear. Whether you're looking for the collegiate collection or you're just looking for great golf shirts and pullovers and pants and shorts, you can check them out at T. Sappington and Company in New Albany, Abraham's in Cleveland, Claude Julian's in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, The Well-Dressed Man in Brookhaven, Oxbow in Memphis, and in Oxford at Landry's on the Square. So be sure to check them out at one of those Genteel retailers or online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We've gotten a couple of messages on this front talking about competition level. Ah, well, he's only playing SWAC teams. You, he, but he coaches a SWAC team. Right. That, that, that bothers me so much about this, com- and not about Dion necessarily, but about all football coaches. How long did it take Chris Kleiman to get the call up to Division One? And it doesn't work for everybody, right? Sometimes guys move up a level or get to a better conference and it doesn't work out. Scott Frost didn't work out at Nebraska. That was weird. He had it humming over at UCF. But Leopold at Kansas, what did he win? Six national championships at Wisconsin-Whitewater? It took Buffalo to give that guy a chance. Was two-time coach of the year in three years at Buffalo. Won the conference twice, I believe. Or his division twice. Gets to Kansas and has them actually winning and fun and exciting. Sometimes it doesn't work. But good football coaches are good football coaches. Lance Leopold at Wisconsin-Whitewater had the same caliber of players as his competition. Deion Sanders, while he recruits well, is still recruiting with Jackson State resources. It's not like he's got Auburn's roster and Auburn's resources coaching against Alcorn. He's coaching with the same resources as everybody on that level with the same rosters. I don't understand that criticism. It doesn't always work. Jim Trussell was at Youngstown State, won a national championship at Ohio State. Good ball coaches are good ball coaches. And then you have the other side of that coin, where he's not proven at the Division One or the FBS level. Yes, you're right. Like Guys like Gene Chizik, Brian Horson, Will Muschamp, 
Brian Harson, Joe Moorhead. Moorhead wasn't, but you know. Can, I mean, look, there are a couple of people, like, and I anticipated this that have pushed back on me saying that there was anything racist about this. Here's what I mean. And, and I preface the whole thing by saying I am the last person to throw around that. But there are people that are turned off of Deion Sanders because he is a flashy black man. Period. And if that is the reason, and I think it's the reason for some, that he would be classified as a risky hire, then, then that has a tinge of racism to it. If you don't think he's a good enough coach, that's fine. If you don't think his success in the SWAC would translate to success in the SEC, that's fine. I just think there's people that look at it for a different reason. Um, I got a message from someone, and I don't entirely agree with this, but I, I do kind of, I mean, I appreciate the interaction. It said less about risk and more about fit. The athletic director and president have to be comfortable with drama and with having an employee who might be hard to control. What? Why do we think that he would be hard to control, though? And would it be any more drama than Auburn routinely creates for itself? So, yeah, maybe maybe you're talking about different kind of drama than what Auburn creates for itself. I mean, they, they, I don't know. But what I, I just think Deion Sanders would be a great recruiter, and he has proven that he can win as a football coach. When he took look, I'll admit, when he took the Jackson State job, it felt a little bit like a publicity stunt. But if that's what it was, it worked because they got a massive amount of publicity. And guess what? After that, he started getting some players. Shadur Sanders has developed into a really good quarterback. He was not a great quarterback in his first start. He's developed into a good quarterback. Okay. Would that translate? I, I don't know. He's a good player. And the staff, too. I mean, for, for that level, the coaching staff is phenomenal. He's got NFL coaches helping him. NFL coaches! Imagine that in the SEC or in the ACC. It would it would be everything on steroids. I don't know. I, I I am shocked by the pushback, especially in the marketing is king era of college football. Who could market better than that? Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Fun Wednesday afternoon. We'll do it again tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services. 
a Super Talk Mississippi media production.